Hello, and welcome to What's Right for Me. I'm your host, Delaney Oaks, speaking to you live from the partly sunny eastern shore of Florida. I have an excellent guest today, but before I bring him on, I want to introduce the woman behind the show, my able co-host, the entertaining, talented, and charismatic Christina Jaguer. I didn't realize until I went looking for it earlier today that she has been my co-host since September of 2009. So, wow, good for us, wow. huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, wow, that is a long time. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I can remember my first few shows. Oh, my gosh, I was so nervous. I didn't oh, have yeah. any clue. Yeah, podcasts were kind of new back in the day, and oh yeah, nobody knew what they were doing. Nobody knew what they were doing. <laughs> oh, I know. I started out as somebody else's assistant, and I was absolutely terrible at that job. So she, <laughs> that was April Robbins. She finally said, hey, would you like to be a show host? <laughs> yes, sign me up, because I can talk better than I can do the switchboard. <laughs> It's the only job where, you know, you could get promoted for doing a bad job at something else. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll just move her over there. She can't screw that up as bad. Oh, God. <laughs> well, tell us a little April. bit more about yourself. Okay. Um, um, let's see. Uh, like everybody else here, I'm an author. Um, I write under the name of Rachel Rubin. Um, I have a free book available called How to Self-Publish a Book. It's a resource guide for beginners. Um, it's available at my blog called writingbytheseatofmypants.com, and you don't have to opt in with your email address. You can just download it and walk away. <laughs> I'm not going to hound you <laughs> and try to create like some sort of weird relationship where I sell you crap. I'm not an influencer. So um, I have no desire to be an influencer. It's just too much work. <laughs> I don't want to do say, any of that It's like a lot of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I've seen people try to do it, and they just, they burn out usually. Like all the people I started out with are gone. So, okay, anyway, um, I'm not doing all that. So um, I also write a, um, a nonfiction, I mean, a fiction book, um, Romance Suspense, called Fidelta. Um, I was live blogging that on the Books and Entertainment Network dot blog, um, WordPress.com site. Um, it was usually I usually um, post on the second day of every month, but I haven't been lately, and I need to get back on that. So I will be doing that soon. Fingers crossed. Nothing <laughs> else weird happens. Um, I want to get that book finished because it's been a while. And um, so if you want to check out Fidelta, um, it's supposed to be a trilogy, but it just it's not going out that way. I, I'm already thinking about book four. So um, <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad. But um, that's well, who I am. no, if you're having fun with it and the characters still have something to say, then go for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. As long as as long as Cassie can keep escaping by the skin of her teeth <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, um she's like one of my favorite characters I've written so far. So I hope to stick with her for a little while, but um, mm-hmm. like I said before, it wasn't supposed to last this long. So I hope maybe one day this series will end. <laughs> but who the hell knows? Oh well, as long as you're having fun with it, it really doesn't matter. 
And, you know, I've enjoyed reading it. I've got to start, too, over again, though, because I, I don't remember enough of the early bits to have, you know, have it firmly in my mind. So let me know when the next episode's coming out, and then I'll go back and read the other ones, and then I'll <laughs> read the new one. <laughs> well, good luck. Good luck. I hope you're able Thank to you. get going on that again. Um, <coughs> pardon me. I'm also an author, mostly of romantic suspense, though I have branched out to sci-fi, historical, and contemporary romance. I share many of my unpublished books on my blog, which is DelaneyOaks.com. And right now I'm hosting another one on uh, writersanctuary.blogspot.com. And I also share once a month on the 12th of every month on the Books and Entertainment site, I am sharing a third book. So you get to read three different things in installments for free. How exciting is that? Um, okay, I think it's time for us to introduce our wonderful guest. Um, my question is, even though I'm sitting here in 92 to degree weather. I know other people further north are having chilly weather, so I have to wonder if winter's over yet. Um, in some spots, it seems like it's not. Here in Florida, it's been summer since December. That's not a lie. And uh, whether you're snuggling up in front of a fire or digging your toes into the sand at the beach, our guest today will have something to entertain you. Returning to the show is Damon Manx, an American speculative horror author. He's a member of Horror Writers Association and the Horror Authors Guild and has been featured in magazines in both U.S. and the U.K. He's recently been nominated for Splatterpunk Award for his debut, Abigail, in the Best Short Story category. In 2021, he received a HAG Award for his story, The Dead Girl. Welcome back, Damon, and please tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you for having me, and I am coming to you from the very gray and dismal uh, area of northern New Jersey today where it's raining and has been raining for the past week. Uh, So, um, yeah, we we are out of winter up here, but uh, winter came uh, and held on for as long as it could. Um, it, I got to wear my leather jacket for about nine months this year before wow. I actually had to give it up, um, which is fine by me because I, I love my leather jacket. Um, uh-huh. yeah, and congratulations on your uh, long-running co-hosting together. Uh, Thank you. Uh, to the both of you. That's, that's, that's awesome. You know, I We've had a really good time. Saying, <laughs> I can. I, it sounds like you do, um, and you must get along really well. That's a, that's a long running partnership. Mm-hmm. I was thinking when you were uh, reciting that that bio that I probably should get to updating that pretty soon. So um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So so just to update and say a little more about Damon Manx because you know I just love talking about myself. Um, so that this splatterpunk nomination happened in 2021, and mm-hmm. and I lost to a really awesome writer, uh, Jeff Strand. You know, and if you're going to mm-hmm. lose to uh, a great writer, who better to lose to than Jeff Strand? So 
you know, it's it's one of those where, hey, it's uh, honor just being nominated kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, most recently, I released a compilation of short stories, which got the uh, number one best-selling banner on Amazon, and Amazon bestowed upon me the gold badge of number one bestseller. So uh, that was that was awesome. Yeah, I'm still kind of giddy about it. I would be for like ever. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's on to you know. I always I have that personality where I I need to push myself to continuously mm-hmm. do better. Yeah. So that, I understand that, mm-hmm. and I've been um, busying myself with many and many book conventions and sales uh, signings and readings on the Manxiety Book Tour, and uh, filling my spare time. Uh, Going to concerts, so I've been seeing a few musical acts lately um, to really, uh, which has been exciting. I'm really enjoying that. Who have you seen lately? Well, uh, most recently I saw Chicago, which had three members of the original band still playing with them, and they were they just sounded spot on. They were so mm-hmm. good. Um, you know, last year I got to see Brian Wilson. Uh, from the Beach Boys with Al Jardine mm-hmm. playing with them. I got to see uh, Janice Ian. Um, really? It's amazing. So I got to see Janice Ian, and, you know, of course, she still sounds, uh, sounded the same that she did when she played at 17 on Saturday Night Live, you know, back in – the day and her guitar playing was brilliant and i i've i've started talking to her because she runs her own social media so you know i i started talking to her yeah on on her um via her assistant and uh i even sent her a copy of one of my books so she's what a down-to-earth um beautiful human being really that's so cool. I have always loved and admired her. That song was like my life, all in one little sad song. That was that was my life. So I loved that song, and she was amazing. Um, I got to see Paul McCartney last summer, and that was like the highlight of my life. I bet. Where did you see yeah, him at a stadium? Yes, it was at the – oh, some kind of camper stadium. I don't remember the name of it right now in Orlando. My son took me for Mother's Day last year and oh, it was it was just the most amazing experience to go. I'd never been to a venue that big for a concert. So it was just really Camper World. That's what it was. Camper mm. World in in Orlando and we just had the best time. Oh, it was so much fun. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, you got to see a beetle. Yes. How cool is that? Yeah. Yes. And he had, um, you know, he had just recently, you know, they've they've recently re- um, released a song with uh, an AI pulling John's voice off a tape and and doctoring it up, and they've they've got this new song that they sing. Well, he didn't sing that one, but they had taken. Um, a song from the rooftop concert and 
had pulled John's voice out of it. And so Paul and his band played live, and he sang the duet with John on the screen. And it was so cool. We enjoyed that. Do you know if it was the song Don't Let Me Down? Um, I want to say it was I've Got a Feeling. I oh think. yeah, no, that would. Make I'm sense. not 100 yeah. percent sure. My my son knows, and of course yeah. he's at work right now, and I can't ask him. So, but I think it was That's that one. Cool. So it That's was really awesome. Cool. So, are yeah. are you a big music fan? Do you listen to music when you're writing? You, I don't listen when I'm writing, although I have uh, over the last couple of years. I'm kind of a silence guy when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dead silence when I'm writing, but I am a huge music, uh, lover of music. I played guitar and played bass in bands all my life. And, mm-hmm. uh, recently I, I getting back into playing into the bands again. Um, I buy vinyl. I listen to music on vinyl. I, uh, yeah, I have a very eclectic taste and I, um, yeah, I, I love music and, and I love discovering things that I haven't heard before. I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. to see Herb Albert, and then uh, in two weeks I'm going to see Herb Albert. So I actually have a bunch of Herb Albert on vinyl we've been listening to. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that's that's super cool, the Tijuana Brass, you know. Oh, yeah, good that stuff, should be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love them, too. I got to see Maynard Ferguson in concert. Really? Back when I was in college. Oh, my God. They did two sets. They played for like five hours. And the best thing about it was it was free because it was sponsored by the music department. They just paid them to come in and play. And they didn't really have a big big enough venue for everybody to come in. So they had people outside, and they played two sets, and they didn't play the same song twice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much fun. Was, it amazing. was amazing. Oh, well, we're sitting here talking about music because the thing that I love as much as books is music, and they go together. And we know that you are a horror author, but what music would you recommend that people listen to as they read your books? Oh, well, so... You know, every book is going to have a different playlist to it. And mm-hmm. I will say this. For, you know, for the last four years, I've been working on this series that's closer now to being released than it ever was. Uh, it's about to go to edits. All four books are ready to go to the editor. Um, and then when they come back, all four books are going up at the same time. The story takes place in 1979. And there is a soundtrack to each book. Um and, uh, you know, the opening credits of this uh, book as you're reading prologue, of course the song Spooky would be playing by the Classics Four uh, in the cool of the evening when everything is getting kind of, you know, uh, that would be the opening tune, um, which would really set the pace of the book. Uh, and then it's going to segue into um, – you know, our main protagonist, who is a 10-year-old fourth grader at his mm-hmm. Halloween party, 
and he will have been playing the Monster Mash for probably the tenth time in a row. So uh, you know, we're we're going to go from spooky into Monster Mash, and and, and that's how this book will will start. And uh, you know, God willing, the the Netflix series one day. Hey, you know what? I'll tell you this. Just like I told. Um, I told Rami this one time that if your books ever make it into film, I will actually go watch them. I will watch the movies made from your books. I will be terrified, and I may have to pop a Xanax during the movie, but I will go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be uh, true with Rami's books, but mine, a lot of mine won't even scare you. I've, I'm, uh, they call me horror with a heart. So oh, okay. um, sometimes, you know, there's, there's, you know, when people say, oh, you're a horror author. No, I, I, I'm not a horror author. I, I'm a life author. I write about life, and sometimes life is horrific, but yeah. it's not always horrific. So I, I write about life. I just don't write about horror. So. Okay, well, that's good. I might be yeah. able to handle that. I'm I... going to send you Abigail, and you're going you're gonna to fall in love with it, and you're going to say, okay. I feel so good after reading this. All and, right. Uh, well, yeah. I look yeah, forward I promise to that. You, I promise you. Yeah. 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 I just I creep myself out way too easily. Um, my husband also used to work <laughs> nights, so I'd Ooh, be sleeping okay. in the bed by myself. Uh, yeah, I did not enjoy reading anything that would make me nervous or watching any shows, any TV shows that would be like I'm not watching Criminal Minds after dark when he's yeah, gone. <laughs> yeah, no. Why risk it? Yeah, I'm just a little too paranoid. But yeah, you know. Um so do you do you like to write other genres besides what what you're most known for is the the speculative horror, etc. But do you write in other genres or do you want to experiment with something else? Uh, so I also write creative nonfiction as well. Mm-hmm. So I have um, new, numerous experts, excerpts from my insane life that I have led uh, in, the, in the form of creative nonfiction um, mm-hmm. and even some memoirs. In my, my latest uh, collection, I even included some of my uh, memoirs in there. So I, I do like to go down that road. But, I, you know, I like to meld it all in my story. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like a touch of romance. I like a touch of thriller. I like a bit of supernatural. And, you know, I, I have no problem sprinkle, sprinkling in the horrific nature that life sometimes throws at us. So mm-hmm. uh, I like to think that I, I include genres. But, uh, you know, as far as stepping out and saying, ah, you know what, I'm going to write a uh, – historical fiction. No, I don't think I'll do that, but uh, mm-hmm. I will certainly re- release and continue to release more um, creative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you don't, besides the historical, is there anything that you don't see yourself trying? I would never say, I don't like to say never, ever, mm-hmm. never. Um, I, I probably wouldn't fancy myself a cozy mystery writer, but, uh, you know, that's not, not saying I wouldn't try to take stab at it sometime, but, uh, you know, whether I can picture myself doing it and whether I never do it are probably two different things. Right. Yeah. That's because every time I say I'm never going to do that, that's what I end 
writing at some <laughs> point. And uh, one of my author friends uh, challenged me to write a cozy mystery one year for the NaNoWriMo challenge. <laughs> and I did. I tried. I got 11 pages in, and the buzzards appeared. And so it's like, no, I guess I guess this isn't going to be a real cozy one now. <laughs> but it still was a really good book. I tried. And, and the, yeah. the main protagonist is a, a woman in her 40s with three teenage sons. And, you know, it just is a really – it's a fun book. But, yeah, not cozy. <laughs> Not so cozy, yeah. No. no. <laughs> Most recently, I've, I've I've started writing a science fiction um, uh-huh. short story, so I was prompted to do so for an anthology, and and the story has actually gotten away from me, and and it won't be completed in time for the anthology, but I intend to finish it as it. That's uh, going pretty cool. It's got some good stuff that I haven't done before and I'm I'm enjoying it, you know. We'll see where it takes me. Great. Yeah. Well I I do you have an excerpt and not necessarily from that, but unless you want to, but do you have an excerpt or two that you'd like to share with us? I do. Awesome. Um yeah. I have an excerpt that I'd like to share. It might be about two pages, but uh Okay. It should move pretty quickly. So, um, as you know, I'm the owner of Last Waltz Publishing, and that name came about from two things. It originally came about from the the album, The Last Waltz, that the band put out, which is an amazing concert that they played uh, that has all their hits and special guests like Linda Ronstadt and Van Morrison coming on stage. And I wrote a short story called The Last Waltz and then came up with, decided to name the publishing company. So forgive me if I stumble over my words. It's been a moment since I've read in public. Uh, That's quite all right. I can't really read aloud very well either, so it's your fault. (laughs) Okay, so The Last Waltz. Nancy Lomax attempted to soak in the impossible promised freedom of the Gulf of Mexico. She had always wanted to come, but never been allowed. Her bare feet dug into the sand with the gentle surf lapping at her toes, never judging or raising a finger against her. She wiped another tear that had no business rolling down her cheek, salty as the sea and twice as bitter. She never imagined she could enjoy a scene such as this or realize such a moment. A sun as big as a clenched fist rolled over a bruised ocean onto a cloudless black backdrop of black and blue. She had been driving all night and finally made it to Tampa to witness the sunrise. Beth lived in Florida. She hadn't seen her in years, one of the many things she had not been allowed to do. As darkness slowly acquiesced to daylight and the memory of Murfreesboro faded even slower, Nancy pulled the meaningless scrap of metal from her finger and threw it into the sea. She didn't hesitate to look at it one last time. What's done is done. She remembered feeling as if she would never be free, would never learn to fly, would never feel the sun on her skin. The surprisingly guiltless feel of the Tampa sun was as liberating as a confession. She looked at the crimson stain that bled under her fingernails of her right hand. What comes from the sea shall return. 
She dipped her fingers into the brine and washed it away. The events of last night had permanently seared into her memory. Broken glass littered the floor along with the remnants of the hamburger helper she had made. How long ago had it been? Four hours? Five? Only one? She was unsure if time had sped up or stopped completely. Oh, my God, oh, my God, she chanted as she ran from the living room to the bedroom with her favorite bra in one hand and a wooden spoon in the other. Saturn of a five-alarm escaped from somewhere deep inside her skull. Her heart fought to keep up with the adrenaline that coursed through her in a frenzy. It had happened so fast, but didn't it always? Now all she could think to do was escape. She ran in a dizzied circle from one room to the next, trying her best to avoid the mess in the kitchen at all costs. But she couldn't avoid it for long. She would have to pass through on her way out the front door. Oh, my God, she mumbled again. What was that? Was something burning? Nancy couldn't remember if she had turned the burner off before leaving the kitchen. How could she have? She hadn't even had time to think. Then she smelled it again, stronger this time, definitely smoke. Nancy ran to the kitchen and stopped in her tracks before her feet hit the linoleum. She swallowed hard as the urge to gag nearly crippled her. Far too many stenches assaulted her at once. Burning carbon from the canned corn she left on a stove sent a charred cloud into the air that attempted to mask the other odors. It mixed with the greasy tang of the hamburger helper that had congealed on the floor. The slow, acrid spread of a scarlet sauce had infused with the strewn noodles, meat, and near-empty bottle of gin bean that Donald had launched at her. The sight turned her stomach. Did I make sauce, she thought? Donald hates ragu. Under it all, a deeper, darker, far more desperate stench. Nancy almost slipped in the aftermath on her way to the stove. She carefully stepped over the heaping mass and turned off the burner. Then she bent over and picked up the object from the kitchen floor. Back in the bedroom, she clawed a few more items into her bedroom and held it shut. rest on the chair in the corner. Donald's jacket hung slumped over second life lips. She dug into the pocket where he put his wallet and removed the sacred items. Her hands shook uncontrollably and her head swam. The steady thud, thud, thud continued to take in a throat was here. It sent a nauseating pulse to the growing She took her island as well. Without thinking about where she was going, she grabbed the bag and headed back to the kitchen. Get out, get out. The internal mantra changed as the walls of 13 Piedmont closed in on her at an alarming pace. Nancy Lomax was practically sprinting as she exited the front door, and she had broken into a full-out run before she reached the old Ford in the driveway. And that's I like that. Oh, that was wonderful. Oh, well, Your descriptions you. are really great. They're they're very vivid, and you can see it, and you can almost smell it. Like you know, you keep mentioning the the uh, food that she made, and you can imagine how it smells and if it burned and all that. That's that was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. Thank uh, you so much. You're welcome. Well, if your main character in this book had a theme song, what might it be? Oh. Oh, 
Well, you know, I, Nancy Lomax, she. <laughs> oh, I I could picture that song that Carrie Underwood sings about taking a key to the side of his truck. Oh, what is yes, that? I, before he yeah. cheats. That's yeah, I song. think that would be the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah, uh, it would definitely be a country song sang by a woman, something about empowering, uh, something about her taking her her life back and becoming empowered. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, Carrie, I was thinking maybe something by Dolly Parton, but I couldn't think of this song. But, uh, yeah, we'll go with Carrie Underwood on that one. I think that sounds like a, a good plan because I, I approve of that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well now, let me put it this way. I do not approve of the things that she's doing because that's that's vandalism and it's illegal, but her getting herself back and empowering herself, yes, I am all for that. <laughs> and if that means you gotta smash a few headlights, go for it, babe. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Just make sure you don't leave leave any evidence of yourself and you're not on camera and you're good to go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I've thought a lot about that song because I keep thinking, well, you know, she's going to get in so much trouble if he decides to press charges because we're assuming that he's, A, not going to be smart enough to know who did it, and B, not want to get even for her trashing his ride. Um, but, oh, well. Yeah. Well, we're 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 hoping that she was smart enough not to do it, uh, yeah. where 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 there were cameras and that she didn't leave any DNA at the scene. So, exactly. You know, yeah. That's what we're hoping for. Yes. Because <laughs> the DNA will come back to bite you. Yeah. Well, if, <laughs> well, if this book got made into a movie, who would you have? Uh, who would who would your dream cast be? Okay, so yes, I've given this thought, and in in my, I don't want any known actors playing my characters because oh, yeah, I don't okay. want any preconceived notions coming into it. I'd like fresh faces playing mm-hmm. the part, so that when you think of them in the future, you think back to that movie to their mm-hmm. first role where you saw them, you know. You know, much like like we had seen quite a few of the characters from Lost uh, yeah. when that came out, but, like, I couldn't really even remember, like, where I had seen them before. Right, And to yeah. me now, they just, they just stand out, oh, well, that's the long-haired guy from Lost. Or, uh-huh. You know, that, that, that's Mike from Lost, you know. Um, so I'd like that with with having a fairly fairly unknown cast which mm-hmm. uh you don't associate with with any previous roles yeah yeah the only one i knew from that cast going into it was terry o'quinn who played Locke. but yeah, i've mostly seen him in, in minor roles occasional villains uh supporting you know he was not a main character in any of the stuff that i saw and I loved that show up until the very end, and then I thought the last episode was so lame. <laughs> I mean, what were the writers thinking? They had this wonderful 
this wonderful environment, and I've noticed this with some book writers too, that this wonderful environment, these fabulous characters, all this cool stuff that they've laid a path to the end, and then they just drop it. And that's what happened with Lost. They just they didn't know what to do with it. They just dropped it. And I sat there criticizing the whole thing. You know, you could have done this, and you should have done that. And what happened? And how about this? And can you explain? You didn't explain the polar bears. <laughs> well, you know, there's 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 a lot of people who agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of, you know, I get it. Like to me, I get it. I I see something a little deeper in the ending of it, and you know, uh, but you know, I, I'm. I don't know. You know, I enjoyed the series, and and the ending didn't ruin it for me. So I I, uh, I have I have fond memories of the whole series. Oh, I love the whole series. Yeah. I just I will probably watch the entire series up to the last couple episodes. <laughs> and I'm just gonna say, see ya. But yeah. I hope nobody ever feels that way about one of my books. Like, you know, she yeah. just really dropped the ball. <laughs> Uh, got the old Stephen King curse where you can't write an ending and everybody hates your endings, right? Yes, <laughs> they, yes. Yeah, they, they, you know. One of the worst insults I ever heard one author give to another, not to the other person's face, but just in passing was, yeah, I think she just wrote that one because she needed to pay the phone bill. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I hope yeah. and pray no one ever says that about one of my books. That's so awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, authors authors can be mean from time to time. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. and I you know, and wait. authors also have bad days once in a while where the words aren't quite flowing like they should, or they get this fabulous ending, and the editor says, "No, you can't do that." You can't do that. You have to write a different ending, and then that screws it all up. I don't. I've I've been fortunate that my publishers haven't done that to me, but if they tried, we would have an argument. We'd no longer be working together. Right. But anyway, yeah. um, mm. where can our listeners find your books? Um. So you can right now, in anxiety. My last one. You can find at. Um, at barnesandnoble.com just type in either Damon Manx or the book title Manxiety which is spelled M-A-N-X I-E-T-Y and you can also find all of my books on Amazon Um, you can go to Amazon type in Damon Manx I spell it D-A-E-M-O-N M-A-N-X go to my author and you can see all the books that I have written and any anthologies I have ever been included in, um, which is a great place to go. And if you ever wish to purchase a signed copy of any of my books, you can do so by going directly to the source, uh, straight to the horse's mouth, www.lastwaltpublishing.com. Visit our shop. I've uh, got signed copies of all my books and we also offer copies of all the authors who uh, are signed under Lackwell Publishing. Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit more about um, 
about your publishing company. I'm interested to 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 know about that. Why did you start your own publisher? Well, you know, that's kind of interesting and and you know, as a you know, I'm learning every day, so I don't claim to be any guru of the publishing industry. I mm-hmm. I started Last Walks Publishing out of necessity. Uh when I first after I had a couple acceptances under my belt, I wanted to get signed uh, by an indie label and went out shopping my first book, Abigail. Um, you know, unfortunately, not every publisher is, is going to do exactly what's in the best in the author's interest. So it didn't work out so well. So I, I got the rights back for Abigail and that publishing company didn't continue to publish. So I said, well, you know, uh, I could continue down this path and try to find another company or, uh, or I could open my own. How hard could it be? (laughs) Famous last words. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and I'll admit, you know, I, I went into it not knowing a lot about it. Um, and and with the intention of, you know, what I'll, I'll, publish my own stuff, and if a couple authors come along the way who want to be included, I'll help them with whatever limited knowledge I have or had at the time, um, include them in the last waltz label, and, uh, you know, I can't promise anybody the moon. I'm not going to make you a star. You know, we're not going to outsell Stephen King by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, you know, I, I would take them under the last waltz uh, label and do what I could. You know, at least I knew that you wouldn't be getting in the same. Uh, the same thing wouldn't happen to you that happened to me with my first um, publishing company. And you know, I could teach them whatever I know, and then when they're ready to go off on their own and start their own publishing company, then God bless you and have have uh, have have the best luck in the world. So uh, that that how it started and I started meeting a couple authors who believed in what I was doing and actually wanted to become a a part of uh, Last Waltz Publishing. And, you know, I I don't go crazy. I don't take on a lot of authors because, you know, I I couldn't handle that. I'm I'm an author. I'm, you know, keeping a roof over my head. I'm, uh, you know, doing multiple things and spinning multiple plates. but I do have a couple of authors who I work with, and we have great relationships, and, uh, you know, we, we put out books. And, you know, sometimes they sell, and, you know, sometimes they sell a little. So so that's, uh, in a nutshell, that's what Last Waltz Publishing is. And, and we've just recently signed um, three new authors this year who are going to be uh, putting out books with Last Waltz Publishing, one of them. Um, Unfortunately, was supposed to be with us today and couldn't make it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jay Mazur, who uh, hails from Austin, Texas, uh, from Texas, Houston, Texas, uh, originally from Canada, just put out a book called "The First Time I Saw Her," which is a bit about witchcraft and demons and uh, that thin veil between our world and the supernatural. Uh, so oh. she just put that. Yeah. Um, she just put that book out, and she's going to be representing Last Waltz Publishing uh, 
at Texas AuthorCon on July 14th and 15th um, with the last Waltz publishing book available uh, for sale down there at Texas AuthorCon. Excellent. Good for her. Yeah, I'm sorry she couldn't make it today, but we'll we'll try and reschedule her uh, later in the year so that we can get a chance to talk to her. I was looking forward to that, but I understand what things happen. They just stuff comes up. Um, I was going to ask you answered those. Sorry, I'm trying to keep track of what I've asked and what I haven't, and the questions that I that just hop in my mind. Oh, this is one that just hopped in my mind. And I might have asked you this before, but I'm going to ask you again. Um, what is splatterpunk? You mentioned that it was in your um, in your little bio that you sent me. So what is splatterpunk? Well, all right. So splatterpunk is a genre. And, you know, what Abigail got nominated for splatterpunk, and there, there are people who say, yes, it is. There's definitely a, a, a large majority who would say it's, it's not. And honestly, mm-hmm. I would say, no, no, I am not a splatterpunk author. Um, mm-hmm. Splatterpunk uh, was kind of created by the guys like uh, Jack Ketchum and Richard Lehman, um, Ralph James White, Brian Keene, where you have the elements of extreme horror, um, you know, where you're getting into that rawness and that... Uh, that extreme way of writing and, and explaining the visceral, but within that narrative, they're also addressing a social issue and kind of oh. making a message, you know. So, so the splatterpunk authors were, you know, they weren't trying to be Stephen King. They they were trying to be their own voice, but and and you know they were making a name for themselves by doing so. And now you've mm-hmm. kind of got got another generation of of splatterpunk authors who are doing that. Um, I wouldn't consider myself one of them. Um, I admire what they're doing. I I, uh, I do sometimes make the social message in mm-hmm. my books, but I don't think I'm doing the visceral narrative while making that message to actually make myself a flatter punk author. Uh, if I'm, you know, maybe guys like Ralph James White would, would tell me whether I'm, I'm actually defining that correctly. I think I am. I think I've pretty much um, done that. that okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. it makes sense to me. So I understand. I just, there are so many little, you know, they're the basic categories of, like, romance, historical, um, horror books, adventure books, sci-fi books, whatever, but then each of them is broken down even more, and you're getting very, very, very specific, and I, I'm i old school. I don't know all the new fancy little, like, I, I have no idea what someone else would categorize my books as, you know, they're... Romance, romantic suspense, historical romance, futuristic romance, they're romance. You know, <laughs> even if I don't go with the idea of writing a romance, there's always a romantic element in everything that I write. That's, I like people falling in love. I'm not mm. going to, I'm not going to deny it. I like to make people fall in love. But, um, 
You know, so I don't know. People could sit there and say, well, you know, this is such and such kind of romance. Like, okay, whatever you say. I know it's not Regency. That's all I can tell you. It's not Regency. I don't write Regency. So. Yeah, there's so many categories, subcategories, genres. Um, I, I don't even know. You know what? Uh, I, I'm writing fiction. <laughs> I, and I do like. I like the using the term speculative fiction um, mm-hmm. because I'd like you to I'd like you to read one of my short stories or get into one of my novels and say, "Wow, you know what? That was uh, that reminds me of like a Twilight Zone episode." So yeah. I, I'm going for that, like that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be the modern day uh, Rod Serling. Oh, now that's a worthy goal. That is a worthy goal because, oh, my goodness, his show was so chilling. And what was the other one? Did he do Night Gallery? Wasn't that also Rod Serling a few years after Ooh. Twilight Zone? Was it Night I Gallery? Can't. Night Gallery, but I don't remember if it was his or somebody else's. But I just remember absolutely loving those shows. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, the, that was uh, him, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. another thing. I couldn't watch that after dark either because those scared oh, the bejesus out of me. And that's when it came on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I didn't watch a lot of them. I didn't watch them until, unless somebody else was in the house. We'll put it that way. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm just, I'm basically a scaredy cat when it comes to certain things. Well, like I was convinced I had monsters in my closet when I was a teenager. And I even until, well, a few years ago, no, a few weeks ago, whatever, there was something in my bedroom closet. There was. There was something in there. My son got rid of it. I don't know how. I'm not going to ask him. But there was an unsettling something in that closet. Mm. So you see the vividness of my imagination and where it goes and all these things that I can scare myself with. I really don't need anybody else scaring me with anything. Oh, well. Um, so when people say, oh, everybody loves to be scared, I don't know that that's true. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, well, we're almost out of time here. I did want to ask you before we go, what is some advice that you would like to um to leave for other authors? Mm. You know, um, there's probably a couple things. I'd say be true to yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, don't try writing what, you know, write about what you know. Write about what comes out of your heart. I I like to write stories that are based on real-life experiences or about real-life experiences with the twist on them. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say write about what you know, and I would say, though it's important as an author to represent yourself on social media, don't put too much stock on it, and don't get caught up in the social media so much that it takes you away from what you're truly passionate about. Mm-hmm. Stay passionate to the writing, the the all that other stuff is just a tool, you know. It's just the tool that 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 that's part of the game, but uh, don't mm-hmm. don't get caught up in it because you know 
none of that's uh, really what why why we get into it in the first place. You know, we, yeah. we get into it because we we love to write, we love to create. It's art. Um, do it for the art, and then let the rest figure out itself. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't always figure itself out. But I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to get sucked into the the social media, and uh, I do what I need to do to promote my books, and I also promote for a couple other authors, and then I'm done, and I'll go back and check messages periodically, but then when I'm, I hardly spend any time on the weekends, and when I'm done for the day, I'm done for the day, and a lot of people can't do that, and they do get sucked in. And I have I have done that too. I've gotten myself where all I was doing all day was Facebook or Twitter, and uh, figured out fairly quickly that that wasn't cooking dinner, cleaning the house, or helping me sleep. So maybe I should just not, you know. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, you, well, you still got to promote yourself, and you got to promote what you're doing, yeah. and you know, you've got to be on multiple platforms. But you know, when that starts eating into the art, and uh, you know, because even a you know, I've seen it giving me cases of writer block, uh, writer's block from time to time, and then it's not worth it. You know, right? If the if the tools of promotion are getting in the way of the art, then there's a an overlap of interests mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's very good advice um is there anything else that you can think of that you'd like to say <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I i always have tons of, of advice to say and then you put me on the spot and then i forget them that's um, all right that's all yeah. right do you have anything that you'd like to say about anything else that we haven't covered here that you would like you've got you've got 10 minutes left to st- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know what here um uh, not too long ago I celebrated 10 and a half years clean and sober. Um and uh you know if if anybody is out there I I got through those um very difficult times, very <laughs> white knuckled but with somebody's help and and I never would have gone through it if I didn't reach out and ask for help so if if anybody is struggling out there uh, with uh any kind of a substance problem you know whether it's drugs or alcohol you know of course the first step is admitting you have a problem but mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard of anybody who's gotten through it on their own who didn't ask for help. So yeah. if, you, if you are struggling, make sure you yeah talk to somebody about it. That's really and that's good advice. And yeah. Congratulations. That is that is an accomplishment and something to be very, very proud of. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. I know there was another question I was going to ask you, and I'm looking back at my list, and I, oh, I know what it was. And I might have asked this once before, too. What makes a horror book horrifying? That's so such a broad question because so many things can make it horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. What a Damon Max book horrifying um, would be setting, atmosphere, mm-hmm. tension, tension, um, 
building suspense and uh, so many really, you know, uh, uncertainty of what happens next. Mm -hmm. Um, I I do like to throw in the twist. Uh, In in all my stories, there will be a twist, generally, 90% of them. I have a friend who calls them the Manx moment. I got to that point in the book, and you hit me with that Manx moment. I thought I knew who the killer was, and boy, well, I didn't know. You know, um, yeah, growing tension and suspense with a, a twist that surprises even the writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, I love those moments. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I mean, there's there's a lot of other things. You know, it's. It's in the wording. It's in the metaphors. It's in the, uh, the, the it's in the sound of the the leaves, like maracas across the pavement. You know, mm-hmm. when the autumn breeze kicks them up and blues, golds and red, you know, tumble across the broken blacktop. It's it's in all that. It's in mm-hmm. it's in the feeling rising inside the character when they're creeping up on a shadow, you know, and, and it's that, that thrumming in their ears, their heartbeat being felt in their throat, you know, it's, it's all those uh, descriptors and, and, mm-hmm. and intelligent metaphors, uh, you know, trying to, trying to be subtle, um, but still, delivering, you know, when it's time to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that probably wasn't a very good description of it. But no, it actually me, was. Are, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. My books are better than that. <laughs> <laughs> <What's> that? <laughs> you know, if anybody, any of your listeners or any of our listeners out there, um, we're interested in trying something by Damon Manx. Uh, and, you know, there's so many authors out there. You possibly don't have the money to try all those authors. There's a Damon Manx story out there that's available totally for free. Um, there's, a plat- yeah, there's a platform called Godless, and you can go to godless.com, uh, and they do e-books. Uh, so you can get the digital version of many different books absolutely for free. There's, there's full-length novels on there for 99 cents. Um, and it's a great platform. Um, I highly recommend it. And I have a story on there that's been the number 17 bestseller uh, for over a year running on godless.com. It's nice. called The Dead Girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is great. I mean, I've, it's, it's, I've given away a lot of copies. And, and that's also the, the story that won the Hag Award. Um, and it's it's free at uh, at godless.com, The Dead Girl by Damon Manx. Uh, go over and pick it up. And if you like that, then you can base your decision on whether you want to spend the money on, on buying a book or not. You know, um, mm-hmm. little little appetizer to uh, wet the whistle. Yes, exactly. Um well, I want to thank you so very much for being here. It has been a delight talking to you. It's always fun talking to you, and I, I hope that you'll come back, and we'll do our best to try to get Jay back on at another time. Um, please let her know that we're thinking about her. Um, 
So it, uh, there was something else I was going to say. You have to excuse me, Damon. It's just it's just been that kind of day. <laughs> but anyway, That's quite all right. thank you for being here, and I hope you'll come back again soon. I absolutely will. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. As always, yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope the sun comes out in uh, beautiful Florida. Thank you. I hope it comes out here. (laughs) 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 Listeners, please join us next month on Monday, or not Monday, Wednesday, July 12th from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern for Delaney's Tea Time when our guest will be Paris Afton Bonds. Until next time, this is Delaney Oaks. Goodbye and have a blessed tomorrow.